Moment of honesty with you. My wife calls me one day and she tells me that we're pregnant with our first kid. And at the time, I didn't think I wanted kids. Wasn't sure if uh, I ever wanted them or if I'd be ready for them. And so I remember walking outside and looking up to the sky and seeing one of the darkest clouds I remember. And I felt like it was kind of a sign that my life was over. <laughs> I thought, I'm never going to sleep again. I'm going to be broke. Goodbye, romance. Um, there's, a, there's a fraction of truth in all of those. And what I didn't realize at the time was, man, what a, what a gift it would be to raise kids and to be a dad. And it's my favorite job, uh, hands down. Well, let me ask you a question. If you considered the future, you thought about the next generation and their future, would you say that you're hopeful, optimistic, or would you say that the sky is dark about the future? Let me ask it a different way. If I put a scale up and on one side was fearful and on the other side, were confident, what would you put, or where would you put yourself? You're honest with where you are. If you're a, a parent, a grandparent, if you're a kid or a, a, a student, where would you put yourself? Would you put yourself over here in the side of confidence? And I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I'm optimistic. I think good things are up ahead. Well, I think if we're honest, many of us would probably find ourselves just inching towards this side. We'd, we'd probably put ourselves over here on the fearful side. And uh, we, we know, man, the, the world around us is a little crazy. It seems like there's plenty to be fearful about. I mean, everybody's on drugs. There's too many screens. Men are having babies. Mullets are back in style. Expenses are, are just out of this world. Starbucks costs 10 bucks, and it just feels like the world is imploding all around us. Um, another honesty story last week, I was prepping for this message, and I was just, I started to spiral. I just started to get a, a little bit of a, a, a panic attack. I don't know if you can relate to this. What I was thinking about, the housing market and interest rates and inflation, and man, just out of, out of uh, my fear, I called my daughter, and she's a senior. I called her, and I said, I just need you to listen, okay? I need you to soak up everything that Dave Ramsey has, okay? Read everything you can. I need you to sign up for Financial Peace University. Just hear me out. She's like, oh, okay, Dad, that's weird. I didn't tell her this, but what I was thinking behind the scenes was, I want you to eventually move out. And I don't know if it's gonna happen if you don't figure out your finances. Can, can you relate to just having some of that fear as you consider where our world is? Do you have any fear about the next generation and their ability to thrive? And I don't mean thrive educationally, thrive uh, financially, even though those are usually our priorities. But do you have any fear about how the next generation is going to thrive spiritually, which is by far more, more important? 
Where do you think this dark sky perspective comes from? You know, I think a little bit of it could come from the news that we consume. A little bit of it can come from the social media, if you consume a little bit of that. You know, sometimes it comes from the way that we view our past. Like we think about our upbringing in the good old days. You know, make them like they used to. And I think at the foundation of it all, it's this lack of trust in Jesus and who is in control. Imagine for a minute if you were a kid or a student growing up today and you were eavesdropping on everybody's comments about what's going on in our world around them. So glad I'm not growing up today. So glad I'm not a a kid or a teenager today. Wouldn't want to face what they face. I don't know how they're going to do it. Would you have confidence if that's what you heard? See, what's at stake if we lead and parent from fear is we produce timid and risk-averse followers of Jesus, not his plan. Also, we teach them to take control rather than to trust Christ. So here's the question. Here's the question for us, is how do we move from fearful to confident with the next generation? Well, we're gonna jump into Romans chapter eight. It's in the New Testament. Tag along with me, Romans chapter eight, and we'll begin in verse 31. I'll give you a little background before we get there. Romans chapter eight, verse 31. Paul is writing to a group of believers that are surrounded by a culture that is against Christianity, against following Jesus. Being a Christian isn't popular, going to church isn't popular. And in some cases, not just in the book of Romans, but in almost every letter that Paul writes, they're also facing opposition against people that do not like their faith. And so Paul repeatedly writes these letters, circulates these letters to encourage people, keep going, it's gonna be okay. And for so many of them, they looked around and they felt like the sky was dark. And, and perhaps it was. Persecution, opposition. It wasn't just a matter of people canceling them and not liking them anymore. They had to deal with some really significant dangers. All the while, Paul's response was the same. There is reason for you to have hope. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus, he writes these letters to us and we can relate to them. He's saying, hey, we believe in and we put our hope in a resurrected king. We believe in a resurrected life. So there's reason to have hope. He writes in Romans chapter eight, verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things, anything that sort of gets in the way of our faith, any type of suffering, any type of pain, any type of persecution, anything that's a dark sky, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Addison was going into seventh grade and she was invited to church by her best friend. Brought her to her student ministry, got her connected to a group, fell in love with the the coach and the other students, 
and just found her place. All the while, she had uh, three younger brothers, all triplets, two years younger than she is, and they also followed her to CCV, uh, CCV Anthem, shout out. And they, they go to kids' ministry, and they're loving it. Well, then their parents also show up and start coming to service and get really connected and start growing in their faith. See, prior to that, the whole family was attending a Catholic church that they felt like, and it was time for them to just do something different. They wanted to get a, a different experience as they developed and grew in their faith. Well, that growth and that development pinnacled this past summer when all four of the Han kids, all four of them decided independently and collectively to follow Jesus, get baptized together. All four, one weekend. Amazing. <laughs> that night, you can imagine, like if you're a parent, you, you would just be overwhelmed with emotion. Maybe even a little bit convicted. Well, that night, uh, their parents, Michelle and Ken, were that. They were watching their kids lead the way, watching their kids surrender to Jesus and get baptized. And they, they went home and they talked about it together and they said, no, 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 us too. The next week, one week later, they get in the water, they get baptized, and all six from this one family, one after the other after the other, starts following Jesus. Verse 31, if God is for us, I'd say it like this, since God is for them, let's be confident in them. Emil was uh, growing up in Milwaukee in a rough part of town, rough neighborhood, and he was constantly surrounded by the types of friends that he knew he didn't want to be a part of. He put up this wall all around him. And this wall was there because it was a way for him to protect himself because when you reject first, then you don't have to deal with rejection. The wall was up, no one could get through. And he, he just continued to live this way that wasn't the way he knew he wanted to live and his mom knew it. Well, they ended up telling him that he needed to move to Arizona where his dad lives. See if we can get things straight for him. Move him to Arizona, and much like any time we take our problems uh, in life with us, they travel, and he shows up, and the same thing, same issues, same wall, same friends. Well, at his school, he's now a junior in high school, he meets this guy named Houston, and Houston invites him to his church. CCV Maryvale, shout out, shows up to high school service and begins to build some friendships. It's a little bit more what he's looking for. Well, they invite him to the high school camp and he thought about it, he's like, that just sounds, sounds great. There's girls there, it's gonna be sports, it's right up my alley. Well, he had some friends with him at that high school that said, you shouldn't go there. The camp's crawling with Christians, and they're weird. He decides to go anyways, and he gets there, and 
and night one, night one, he arrives and he's like, this is the worst. I don't wanna be here. It's not what I expected. I don't feel like I'm fitting in. This is not fun. And he made up his mind that the next morning when he wakes up, if things don't change, he's gonna call his dad to pick him up and he's gonna bail. Things changed. That day, a group of students not connected with his immediate group invite him and some of his friends to be a part of their group. And he said this, he said, that group was like friends we've had for our entire life. It, they, they joked and harassed each other and, and they were learning and they were serious for while they're there. They're not perfect. Man, he watched these boys worship and he watched them study and he thought this. He said, I wanna know the God they know. One of the nights at camp, we take these, these chains and we talk about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus and we use these as metaphor. We take this and we say that the control we often have is like imprisonment. And what Jesus calls us to is to surrender our life, to drop the chains. And that night, Emil dropped the chains and surrendered his life to Jesus for the very first time. A couple weeks later, that group had a couple friends from it that went and took him up north to Oak Creek Canyon and they baptized him in the freezing cold water. And what you can't hear in that, the sound bites not in there, but he, he screams a little bit when he gets dunked underwater. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. English doesn't do this word justice. Interceding is a, a word that means to run up against. Like Jesus runs up against walls for people. That's what he did for Emil. That's what he's doing for entire generations. He's running up against a wall and he's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Since God is for them, Let's be confident in them. Brianna grew up in a household where there was no faith. She had a sister that was a little bit older than her and that sister was a Christian. But every time she talked about Jesus to her sister, she just disconnected. She didn't wanna hear it. Sister moves out of the house and then her uh, connection to faith also moved out of the house. A little while goes by and she's in the second semester of her senior year and she just starts searching. She realized she didn't have a compass. She didn't know where she was going and so she started to Google Bible questions on her own just to 
do a little research, do a little discovery. And she knew that Easter service was coming and she, she, signed, she signed up somewhere online to go to an Easter service. Ends up being our central Scottsdale campus that she goes to and it's the sunrise service. She's a senior in high school and she shows up to the sunrise service on her own. She told me the reason why she went to that service is because she knew that Easter was a service that tons of new people came to and she can like sneak in and sneak out without anybody seeing her. Thought that was clever, clever of her, but we noticed, got her. She still had a, a lack of connection to community and she still had some questions and doubts. But at the same time, she has this friend that she's working with at a coffee shop and that friend's name is Faith. Brianna looking for Faith, Faith looking for Brianna, that'll preach, just did. Faith asks Brianna, would you, go to, would you go to camp? She goes to a different campus. She said, but would you come to camp with me? She's like, what's camp? Tells her, she signs up, and while she's there, she picks up those chains all of her life. This would be her last chance to hear about Jesus in that context, the last opportunity for her to go to camp. Just a, a, a happenstance relationship, someone invites her, a friend. She heard the message that she's been waiting for her whole life. She drops those chains. She, she ends up calling her older sister, and, and her sister was ecstatic, emotional. She says, when's the baptism? It was about a week and a half out. Sister scurries and kind of panics and figures some things out, and she ends up buying a ticket, flies to Arizona, and she baptizes her little sister. Verse 37, and all these things were more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced, I'm confident that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, since God is for them, let's be confident in them. See, what I'm so thankful for regarding where God is, and I, I know that there's so many people and friends involved in stories and coaches and parents, but what is unstoppable and the reason why we should have confidence in the next generation is because God has confidence in them. He's not gonna let us down for all the worry we have and all the fear, parents. Let's trust the creator. He's known what's coming. It's been a part of what's happening. He's aware of the situation. And when we find ourselves thinking, I don't know how they're gonna do it. Darkness seems to be growing, clouds are, are billowing. He's gonna give us 
and he's going to give them everything they need to make it through life. He's got enough. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his power. We have his mind. We have what we need. Let's not be afraid. Let me talk a little bit about how we can show confidence, how we can be confident. Let me first start with the non-parent in the room. You can show confidence. You have a very unique opportunity where you can invest your life into other people's kids and students, and you don't even have to raise them. They're not, they're not your problem. You can have all the fun, none of the responsibility. Listen, serving in kids and students is not for everybody, but it's for somebody. Somebody might be you. Here'd be my challenge for you. Why don't you pray about it and ask God if it's not the right decision? See what he says. For those of you in here that are parents and grandparents, let me encourage you. Parents, you are the spiritual thermometers for, or th- thermostat for your house. You're it. You set the temperature. That means that when it comes to priorities, hey, make church and showing up here a priority. Not just an occasional thing. Read your Bible. Read your Bible so regularly that they see it and they know it and know that's a priority for you. You serve. You find a place to make a difference. And you live that out. Don't be discouraged. If you feel like you haven't been able to do that for a long time, start now. You can pick it up right now. You're the thermostat. We believe in you. And we're we're here as a church. Ashley said it from the very top. We're here as a church to support you, help you succeed. I wanna finish with the students and the kids that are in the house. And we're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. You should have confidence as you approach the future. Here's what I'm gonna ask of you students. Keep serving. Keep making a difference. You know, if you stop serving, our kids' ministry would implode. We need you. You gotta stay in it. Our future would implode without you. Part of it. Keep worshiping. Keep imagining new ways to be a Christ-centered difference maker at your school and in your neighborhood and wherever you go. Don't let us get in your way. You find yourself being discouraged by us because we don't think that you have what it takes. Forget about it. You have what it takes. You have Christ, and he's all you need. Since God is for them, let's be confident in him. After dropping the chains, going forward, I have hope in building a stronger relationship with God and learning how to build my foundation on him. Before, so angry, mad, just confused at the world. Then after I dropped my chains, it was hope. I got passionate about things. Uh, found a group of friends that like, follow God, and it's getting closer to Him every day. I dropped my chains at church camp to give God control over all aspects of my life. After dropping the chains, I heard the Lord calling me to ministry. He had taught me to let go of my worries and my doubts and to let Him take control of my life. Now, I hope I can lead the next generation closer to him.
The reason I dropped the chains at camp is because we all feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders at times, but we should all know Jesus can take the weight off. And when we are in those difficult times, we should be fighting through it with Jesus and not on our own.